Well, this morning is Mother's Day, and so on Mother's Day, I thought I would try to be a salesman for you on bread. Can you tell what I have in my hand? Does this look familiar to you? Hmm? Can you remember being raised on uh, white Wonder Bread? <laughs> Do you remember the advertisement, build strong bodies in what? How many ways? Remember? Twelve ways. They must have shot it full of twelve vitamins or ingredients or something. But they used to advertise Wonder Bread, it builds strong bodies in twelve ways. And yet, if you think about it, in our Jesus passages, we have come to the passage in John 6 where Jesus calls himself the bread of life. And so really, even though this looks like Wonder Bread, it's really not the Wonder Bread. Jesus is the Wonder Bread. In fact, in John 6, verse 41, he said, I am the bread of life who has come down from heaven. Now, why would he say he is the bread of life that has come down from heaven? Why would Jesus use bread as a metaphor for his person, for his teaching, for all that it is about believing in him? Well, is bread and, and food pretty necessary for us in our daily sustenance? I mean, you're probably sitting there watching your watch whenever other preachers preach and thinking, when are they going to quit so we can get home or go out to eat and have dinner, right? Because there's something about our bodies that breakfast comes, but then we feel like we've got to have lunch, and then we have to have dinner, and maybe a little midnight snack, right? We have to have all these things for nourishment. When I was in the hospital back in the fall, I didn't eat very much for about eight or nine days, and, and I lost a lot of weight at that time. And I thought, if you don't have food, it affects you. And the same thing is true of, of spiritual food. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Just as physical bread, he has just fed 5,000 people, and they're chasing him because they like his Meals on Wheels program, and they see him as a permanent supplier of, of sustenance. He says, I give you more than that, more than physical bread. I am the bread of life who can give you eternal life. In fact, he says, if you feed upon me, you will never die. If you feed upon me, he says, you will live forever. Now, you can look at a person. You can tell, does that person eat physically? You can tell. Is a person well-nourished or is a person uh, like some of these, these sad pictures we see in Ethiopia, these starving kids? You can tell who has physical food and you can tell who doesn't get physical food. But it's more difficult to see, has someone eaten the spiritual bread of life? Has someone eaten the spiritual food that comes from God? And usually that is usually revealed to us in a moment of crisis or, or testing. I remember early in my career, a dear man died suddenly. And um, I ran over to be with the family in their home. And there were two sons there in their early 20s. One of them was, was a man who was a fine believing Christian. And he didn't like the fact that his dad died. But he had faith and strength to get him through that. The other son, who later we found out was maintaining a major sin in his life, fell apart and went to pieces. And I thought to myself, in crises, you can expose, it exposes who is eating the eternal bread, the bread of life that will save you forever and forever. And so this morning, I would like to do a little advertising. I would like to motivate you to eat wonder bread. Now, not the bread I have in my hand, but the wonder bread that really is a person of Jesus Christ, his example his words, and see how the bread of life can really change us today. Now, if I were to advertise for you, if you look in your bulletin outline, I've listed several good reasons why Wonder Bread is good for you, okay? The bread of life, how is it good for you? Well, if you'd watch TV and they advertise bread, they would say that it's guaranteed fresh. Well, look at verse 25. That's exactly what Jesus says. He says, when they found him on the other side of the lake... 
And Jesus has now just fed the 5,000. Probably at least 10,000 were there. And he's crossed the lake to the other side. They say, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You were looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and, you, and, you, uh, and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. You see, Jesus wants these people to recognize that he offers the bread, that the only bread that really is fresh. He fed the 5,000. The miraculous part of the 5,000 was not just the feeding of the 5,000, but the fact that from those five loaves and two fishes, there were what, 12 baskets full of leftovers that were given there. Jesus performed and pulled off one of the greatest miracles. And people were anxious for him to do it again. But he's making the point. That was a great opportunity. That was great that we ate together. But that food, those 12 baskets, they will spoil. That is only temporary sustenance. I am here to give you that which is eternal. He says, that which will not spoil. And what Jesus wants us to know is that every day when we wake up in the morning... And we take the Word of God, the Bible, we take the example of Christ, we take the love of Christ, we take the words out of the Scripture. It's like taking a fresh loaf of bread and pulling out something that's fresh out of the oven and saying, that is for me. It's delivered by God Himself. I was raised down here on the south side in Birmingham when I was a a little urchin. And I don't remember the name of the company, but there was a bread company. Remember that? And you'd pass by the bread factory down there. And if they were baking, the aroma of the fresh baked bread would go across the street. And if you drive in that area, you would smell the aroma of that fresh bread. And Jesus saying, I am my words, my example, my love, who I am will never spoil. It will last for you forever. You know, this morning, yesterday morning, I had a question in my about how to use some, some ministry funds effectively. In the passage of Scripture I read that morning in my journal was about the two sons of Eli in 1 Samuel chapter 2 who were cheating people on their sacrifices and how they were abusing the people when they came and made their sacrifices to God. And I thought to myself, the very morning that I was thinking through how to deal with some of these funds that belong to the Lord... The Lord causes me in my Bible reading to come across this passage of Scripture that gives me an example that answers some of the questions that I was having. My friends, every morning, God's Word is fresh. Every morning, it is exactly what you need for that day, guaranteed. Secondly, I think not only is it guaranteed fresh, but it has a seal of approval. Look at verse, look at uh, end of verse 27. He says, on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now, have you heard of the good housekeeping seal of approval? Hmm? You know, well, I I want to tell you something. This beats the good housekeeping seal of approval because God's the Father, whom these people claim to worship as the Jewish people, as a nation, they thought God was on their side and and, uh, they thought that everything they had came from God. Jesus is saying, not only is that true, but so am I. And I have the approval of the Father upon my life and upon my ministry. That's why he said, I am the bread of life, whose origin 
is from heaven. I have come from heaven. That's why when Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened and the voice of the Father spoke. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to what he says. Obey what he says. And the Spirit of God, like a dove, came and landed upon Jesus. Because here he has the approval of God. If Jesus has the approval of God, then everything he did and everything he said gives us the right to demonstrate and to live in the sphere of God's approval as well. If Jesus' words, his example, has got the God-given approval stamp of satisfaction on it as the bread of life, then if we follow the words that Jesus spoke, it means we will live a life that is in God's will, that is, that is approved by God as well. And that's why the bread of life is so important for us to understand that it represents not only Christ, but it represents his words. And just as Christ was approved, if I obey what he says, I know I will be approved by God as well. The problem is, is that situations arise in life. We don't know what to do. We say, how do you determine the will of God in this situation? How do you decide what you should do? What's right and what is wrong? I remember a young man came to see me with that one time, and it was a very difficult situation. The girl he wanted to get married to was a very unique situation. The whole thing was just, 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 he needed the wisdom of Solomon to solve it. And he turned to me and said, what should I do? And I said, I can't tell you what to do. But I can tell you this, that a righteous man will tend to make righteous decisions. And that if you know God's word, you feed on God's word, you take the bread of life and allow it to become part of who you are that when it comes time in life to make these decisions that are so difficult, where you need the wisdom of God, his wisdom will be there for you because as you know God's word, you will be approved and you will live in the approval of who God is in obedience to him. The third thing about this bread of life is that it beats the competition hands down. Look at verse 30. In verse 30, they say, well, you know, He said, what miraculous sign will you give that we may see it and believe? Now, do you think Jesus is a little frustrated? He just fed 5,000 people. He just walked on water, and they want another miracle. Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. You know, what they wanted is they wanted this, this manna that comes from, from physical sustenance, that, like Moses gave them. And they looked to Moses and they said, Moses gave us this bread. The problem, the mistake they made was they thought this bread, this manna came from Moses. But the manna did not come from Moses. Jesus says the manna came from the Father. And just as the Father gave the Israelites in the wilderness manna to eat their bread, God now has given to this generation the bread of life. Who is that? And that is Jesus. And they, and you, nothing, not even the manna that was there in the days of Moses, compares with what Jesus is and what he gives for them. And they are sitting back and they are saying, you know, Moses this, Moses that, manna then, nothing now. Give us a miracle. And Jesus is saying, look, I fed 5,000 people. I can do that. But I can do more. If you eat of me, I can give to you eternal life. 
My friends, he wants them to know that there is no competition for who Jesus is. No matter how good Moses was, no matter how God used Moses to provide manna, there is no competition with who Jesus is and the bread of life he offers to us today. You know, I think life gets so busy that sometimes we fail to realize that the competition in life overwhelms us so much. The pressures on our time, the, the pressures on our priorities, uh, the squeeze of finances in difficult days like this. And the squeeze gets upon us and we think that we allow these things to compete with who God is and what God can do for us and his bread of life. We've been on a trip, and um, I take my Bible and I took my journal, but in the commotion of being in someone else's home and traveling, I didn't read my Bible as much as I thought I, I should. And I, as I looked at my journal, I was a little bit behind in, in my journal process, and I thought to myself, there are some things I don't allow to compete with my life. <laughs> You know, sleeping and eating and watching the news or checking the drudge report. Or, you follow me? I do all those things and there's no competition. But when it comes to the Bible reading, sometimes I think that there are other things that maybe are more important to me. And what I've done is I've allowed the competition of that kind of stuff to get in the way. My friends, one day we'll realize there is no competition with the bread of life. It outlasts. It doesn't spoil. It is the only thing that really counts. I remember being at a at the bedside of a dear lady who was dying of cancer, and she would never go home from the hospital. She was fastidious about her kitchen. She would allow her husband to help her wash the dishes, but she had to put the silverware and the plates away because he always put them in the wrong spot, you know? And so we were in the hospital talking, and I turned to her and I said, Well, I bet your husband's messing up the kitchen while you're in the hospital. And she turned to me and she said, Ron, stuff like that doesn't matter to me anymore. Because she realized that her next step would be heaven. And the only thing that counted was the bread of life. I asked you a question today. What's competing in your life with the bread of life? What's keeping you from feeding and sustaining yourself on the stuff that only comes from God? My friends, that stuff will spoil. That stuff will only rot. But there's only one thing that's eternal. And that is what God has for you. The other reason I would suggest the bread of life is, the fourth reason is that it will satisfy you daily. Look at verse 34. They said, sir, okay, you've sold us. From now on, give us this bread you're talking about. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never, never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never, never be thirsty. Never be thirsty. Never, never, never. My friends, that means that every day, every day when you follow the example, the words, you put your faith in Christ, you saturate yourself in his word, every day you'll be satisfied. No matter what happens in your life. The problem is the things that, that, that overwhelm us and compete with us, we think are more important. But we discover those things don't satisfy But Jesus, the bread of life, can nourish us and take care of everything we need. Just as we eat three meals a day and they nourish us, eating the bread of life can nourish us. I'm going to open the floor here. I need your help with this part of the sermon. Let me ask you a question. What are some of the pressures that come in life that overwhelm us that we need to stop and listen to the Bible and what God has to say? What kind of pressures in life come and overwhelm us?
that remind us we need the bread of life. Can you think of some pressures? What are some common pressures to us? Give me one. What's that? Your job. Okay, job. The frustration of the job, the people you work with, uh, maybe not enough income, expenses, whatever, job. Okay. Okay, your health. Your health. Does, does the Bible speak to work? Yes, it does. Does the Bible speak to health? Yes, it does. You see, it can nourish us. Something else. Hmm? The more you speak, the less I have to speak. Hmm? Uh, what, what, what was that? Wedding plans. Oh, tell me about it. Been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. <laughs> Jimbo? Okay, and and they, yeah, that's right. And as Jim says, they can be very healthy, wholesome, and things you got to do that are necessary for life. You see. Now let me ask you a question: Can anybody here remember what they had for breakfast, lunch, dinner, or snack last Tuesday? Hmm? Can you remember? I started thinking about this last night. I can't remember either. But I'll tell you this: Even though you can't remember, was it important to you at that time? And did it get you through your Tuesday? and prepare you for a Wednesday, it nurtured you. And whatever happened to you that day, inwardly, you were physically sustained by breakfast, lunch, dinner, and that snack. And my friends, the bread of life is that which we need that will satisfy us daily. Somebody asked me sometime, what what did you preach on last Sunday? I said, I don't know. (laughs) What did I preach on? I can't remember what I preached on. How the dear people remember it. But I do know that when I read the Bible, when I eat a meal, even though I can't remember, God uses it to sustain me to get through life. And my friends, the bread of life will satisfy you daily, no matter what comes your way. And then the last thing I see about the bread of life is that it's long-lasting. It's got a great shelf life. Look at verse 40. In verse 40, he says, My father, my father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have what? Eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. He said, gives us eternal life. And then in verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Here he says, I am giving it all to you. It is eternal. It is the only thing that will last. My friends, he says, if we eat of his bread, what will we have? Hmm? What will we have? Eternal life. We will have eternal life. You think, what is eternal? Well, God's eternal, right? God's eternal. This pulpit's a good thing. Is that eternal? Probably not. Hmm? This building is nice and significant and big, but is it eternal? No. What will last eternally on earth today forever? I think there are only two things. One is people. People will last forever. Either in heaven or in hell, they will last forever. But secondly, Jesus says, my words will last forever. The word of God will flourish and last eternally. And what is the bread of life? The bread of life gives people the opportunity to feed on God's word. 
And with that feeding comes eternal life for us. Does that show the importance of the bread of life? That what it can do for us? You know, if we ate the bread of life, what would it do? I remember when I was a kid, my grandmother lived in Pennsylvania. And we would travel, and we were supposed to call when we were so many minutes away from the house. This is the days before cell phones. And we would call because she had homemade bread, and she had baked it, and be ready for us. And as soon as we would walk in the house, you could sense the smell of the homemade bread that was there. She would, after she hugged you and kissed you, she'd slice it up, spread some hot butter, warm butter on it. And we'd all be sitting around there with joy, being nourished and lavishing in the relationship with grandma. My friends, the bread of life is there for us because it represents Jesus Christ. Well, what should we do? Well, I would suggest two things with the bread of life. Uh, I, I think I would like to see us taste the difference. How do we taste the difference with the bread of life? Number one is I think we've got to eat the bread of life. How do you eat the bread of life? Well, it, if you go back to verse 29, he's Jesus, when they want him to do these more miracles, he says this. He says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one whom God has sent. The work for a person, for every man, every woman in this room right now, the work that God has for you is not to go do something, even though God wants us to do stuff. The work that God has for us that pleases God is to believe in Jesus, the Son of God, who is speaking these words, the bread of life. Why is he the bread of life? Because he is the only thing we can eat that will give us eternal life. And by eating, we are in reality, we're putting our faith and trust in Christ. And when we acknowledge that we are sinners, that we have rebelled against God, that we have lived our lives selfishly for us instead of him and the people he loves, when we humble ourselves and come before him, we bow before him, and our faith in him is the only work we have to do that pleases God. It's not the money we give even though those things are important. It's not the good deeds we do, even though those things are important. The only work that he demands is that I open my heart, acknowledge that he is my creator and my savior, and that Jesus died on the cross to forgive me of my sin and to put my faith, my hope, to trust in him and to realize who he is. I ask you today, my friends, have you bitten taking that initial bite of the bread of life. Have you eaten of that bread? Because if you don't, he says, you will not have eternal life. Last night we were celebrating with my mother, who's too old now to get out of her home. And all the families, my, my sister-in-law Susan put together this spread for us all, and we gathered and had Mother's Day with my mother last night. And we asked her a lot of questions around the table and one of the questions we asked was, Mom, how did your mom and dad become Christians? And she said, you know, she says, they live next door to this, this, this very helpful lady. And uh, my mother was a baby. And this lady uh, said, our church is having these uh, revival meetings. And would you and your husband like to come to one of these revival meetings? 
And my grandmother said, well, I can't come. I got this little baby, and, you know, it's nursing, and it would be a hassle, and it wouldn't work, and all this kind of stuff. And, and anyway, my grandmother and grandfather got thinking. They thought, you know, this lady has been so kind and gracious to us. You know, we, maybe we should go to these meetings, you know. And they went to this church. I don't even know what kind of church it was. And my grandmother said that that was the first time in her life she ever remembered hearing the gospel, the good news, that God loved her so much that he was willing to forgive her by sending Jesus to die on the cross to take the punishment for sin that she deserved. And that the only work she had to do was to believe, to put her faith in him. And as the preacher was preaching at the end, remember the altar call days when they'd ask people to walk to the front of the church? The preacher said, if you would like to trust Christ as your Savior, then you come forward. And my grandmother was thinking there, I can't walk forward. I have a baby. I can't do this. And all of a sudden, she was overwhelmed by the fact that she had to go forward. She walked down that aisle with her baby in, in her arms to trust Christ. And my grandfather saw her going. He immediately followed her. And that night, the two of them, for the first time in their lives, they ate, they fed from the bread of life. They had nothing to offer God. They only partook of what he offered them. My friends, I ask you today on this Mother's Day, probably all of us have a godly mother or grandmother or some woman back there who's prayed for us in our lifetime. And maybe they're praying for us today right now, if we've never trusted Christ, that we partake of the bread of life. And the second thing, I think, is not just to begin by eating the bread of life, but secondly, is to partake of the bread of life daily. I love the words here as he wraps it up in verse 56 and 57. He says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. My friends, what he's saying there is that the Father and I have a relationship that comes together. And if you eat of my bread, and if you feed on my bread in the present tense on a regular basis, if you open my words, the words of, my, of the Bible, you follow my example, you take my teachings and you obey them. If you feed on me, then not only will you live forever, but just as the Father and I have a relationship with one another because of his words to me, so you and I will have a relationship because of the words that I have given to you. The last words Jesus spoke to his disciples as he's heading to the cross, as he walked through the from the Garden of Gethsemane through the Kidron Valley, he says, if you love me, if you love me, you will obey me. My words will abide in you. My friends, every day you have an opportunity to feed on the bread of life, to take the words and the wisdom and the will of Jesus Christ himself and make it part of the very fiber of your life as it governs your thoughts ever governs your motivations, your words, your actions, the places your feet take you as you allow these choices to be governed by the clear, authoritative teaching of what Jesus has to say. Feed daily. 
Why is that so important? It's so important because you never know what a day holds. You never know what will come. And my friends, the other stuff that we feed on will only spoil. But what you need for the real challenges in life only come from Christ himself. While we were in Canada, we received a phone call that we had a little tragedy brewing back here in a family situation. Situation beyond our controls. It's a very bad situation. And uh, so Susie and I cut our trip short a couple days, and we came back to try to deal with it. And you're sitting there, you're twiddling your thumbs, you're, you're worrying, you're talking with each other, you're frustrated, you're, you know, what's going to happen, how's this thing going to come to a resolution? And there's some bad people doing stuff, and it's through a court situation, and you just sort of, oh my goodness, everything that was happening was happening in the wrong direction as far as we were concerned. That morning I woke up, and my Bible reading for that day was in 1 Samuel. Second In 1 Samuel chapter 2, and Hannah was giving her prayer of thanksgiving for God giving her son. And her prayer went like this. And this is as we were going to Columbiana. Just before we left, I read these words. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn, my strength is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock, no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. Here as I went to Columbiana with no solution in sight. At 11 o'clock in the morning till 4.30 in the afternoon, you're thinking, God, how will this thing ever work out? The only promise we had was God says, I am your rock. I know everything. I know everything. And by me, everyone's deeds are weighed. My friends, by the end of the day, God had answered our prayer. God had turned the situation around, (laughs) and the burden was lifted from all of our shoulders. And by 4.30 in the afternoon, we were driving home different people. And as we went through that experience, I thought to myself, why is it so hard to believe that God is a rock? Why is it so hard to believe that he knows everything? Why is it so hard to know that he will take the deeds of other people and in his time weigh them? He says, she says in her prayer, she says, you know, the the bows of the warriors, they're broken, but those of us who stumble are armed with strength. She says, those who are, are full of food hire themselves out to eat. But those who are hungry, hunger no more. She who was barren has borne seven children. But she who has many sons pines away. Hannah says, God, why was I ever worried in the first place? Because you are my rock. You are my salvation. My friends, the amazing thing to me was I should have read that passage of Scripture last week in my Bible reading schedule. But in my delinquency, God in his wisdom had it there for me to read the day I needed it. What will it take for us to realize that he is the bread of life? To not just partake of him in faith for eternal salvation, but to partake of him daily. To partake of him daily. And to see that eternal life flourish 
and all that we do today. So the question is, since we are so hungry, we are hungry with all these needs we have in life, why don't we simply eat the bread that God has given to us? Let's pray. As we bow our heads, why don't you just thank Jesus for being the bread of life. Thank him for coming and doing what only the bread of life could do. The one sent from heaven to die on the cross for the forgiveness of sin. And possibly you're here today and maybe you've never done that one work that is necessary for eternal life. And that is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. If that's your situation right now, just say, Lord, I'm not sure where I've been spiritually. But God, right now, today, I eat. Today, by faith, I trust you. Thank you for forgiving me. Make me your child. And as our heads are bowed, possibly you need to just say, Lord, I haven't been eating enough. I've been feeding from the stuff that only spoils. Lord, give me a renewed commitment to open your word and to learn from you so that the bread of life saturates my life every day. Father, we thank you that you stand at the oven and you dish out bread to us every day that is warm and fresh and has an aroma that will satisfy our souls. Oh, Lord, take the bread of life today. Make Jesus Christ the centrality of our hope and our prayers for the future. And, Lord, help us today to trust him fully in all that we do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.